Welcome to Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity. I'm your host, Irene Cho. This season, we're featuring guests with various perspectives on Asian American topics and the church. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Centering, the podcast from the Asian American Center at Fuller Theological Seminary. I'm Irene Cho, and I am with three amazing, phenomenal women that are all involved with music and worship in some way, shape, or form. I'm here with Angie Hong, Julie Tai, and Sue Ann Xiao. And I'm so excited about this week's topic as we talk about worship and Asian American contexts, what it looks like for us as Asian Americans about decolonizing worship, about expanding and taking a deeper look at what it all means. So I want to just dive right in because we have a lot of things to cover. And if you would like some more information on our guests, please be sure to look at the show notes as we will have all the contacts. And I highly, highly recommend that you follow them in all the social media ways because they are brilliant. And don't we want to continue learning all throughout our life? So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me and allowing me to be able to pick your brains during this amazing time together. Thanks for having Hello. us on, Irene. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. Yeah. And I would love to just dive in and kind of ask a really general question because I know that's going to start triggering all of us into deeper thoughts as we you know, go down the rabbit hole of this big, gigantic question. So I'm just going to throw it out there for you all first of what does Asian American worship actually look like from our own culture, from our own identity and perspective? It's a really general question and one that's extremely complicated. So let's just kind of dive in and start going through all the different complexities of it. Well, I think the important question to ask first is what does it mean to be Asian American, right? And therefore then what is Asian American worship? Because I think you could get trapped really easily into kind of stereotypes about what it means to be Asian American or Asian. That tends to be my experience is what Asian American means often feels very nebulous and therefore like... we tend to default to like what other people think we're supposed to be. That's good. I like that a lot. I believe this is Angie. Um, I believe that the question of what is American, what is Asian American worship is actually a really great gift to the church because this brings up the larger question of why do we even feel the need to identify and define different races in worship? I once heard someone ask a prominent Black preacher about what the Black community thought about a particular issue, and he replied, it's not the Black community, it's Black communities. It's increasingly complicated to simplify a whole racial or ethnic group's experience into one story or worship style. So why do we feel the need to identify and define it. And that's the broader question in which I think the Asian American worship question, which nobody can identify really, is bringing that question to light. So for all of you, as 
folks who are involved in some sort of worship as Asian Americans, and we're all in different contexts, both geographically, as well as different types of ministry settings. What what would you say then would be like a step forward or one step to even begin to unpack this? I think that the, re- the question I want to ask that's behind this question is why? Like, why are we asking what Asian American worship is mm-hmm. right, there's lots of reasons why people arrive at this question. One of the reasons that I see most often is one that is kind of tokenized. That's like, oh, well, we have to do something that's just diverse and represents Asian Americans, as opposed to rooting it in a question of justice. So the the way that I personally arrived at the question for myself of what does Asian American worship mean is I realized that the way that I had always been worshiping was centered around whiteness and it was centered around this uh, European Western music context. And the reason why that's important is when we think about the history of music as taught around the world, but particularly for us as Asian Americans in America, you know, it centers around European classical art music, the aesthetic, the music theory, everything that we learn says like, this is what the standard is of greatness. And this is what it means to glorify God. And when the only examples that you have of what it is glorifying to God are coming from European cultures, then you start to think that your culture is less and even that God assigns more particular value to different ethnic cultures and histories and musical styles. And so I think that this question of why, like, why are we asking will also answer the way, how we answer the question, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, like what is Asian American worship is coming from a place of like, what do I have to bring as I am? right? Not as somebody who's trying to act white Mm. and trying to conform to these standards that have frankly been used to perpetuate injustice and white supremacy. I like that. Um, Angie or Julie, do you want to, because Angie, you shared about how it is important. So from that angle of how we start this question and what is the thing behind it. Do you have any thoughts on that to keep going? Cause I have a follow-up that I want to think that I want to ask you, Anne, but I want to hear from you both first. Sure. I will give an example of a story. So I was on a worship team for a national conference and in preparation for this conference, I was asked to lead in a way that felt quote unquote authentic to my identity But I just felt really increasingly pressured as we were preparing to lead in a more purely Korean or Asian way. So the team leader said that since there are very few Asian American worship leaders that I needed to represent my people well and be the model for all (laughs) other aspiring Asian American worship leaders, and that I was given by God this opportunity to define what it meant to be an Asian American worship leader. I instantly felt the pressure to represent all Asian Americans. And during the conference, I got a sense that the songs that I had to personally offer were not Asian enough. And so the team leader actually called a friend from Korea to give a song to me to learn in 30 minutes and then lead this song in worship on a national stage. In Korean. In Korean. And it wasn't so even sorry, easy. Yeah. We're not talking about repetitive phrases. We're like, it's like complicated things. 
So I felt like a puppet and a Barbie doll. And and worse than that, I felt like I wasn't Korean enough. Like right. somehow mm-hmm. I had failed in representing all Asian Americans through mm-hmm. my worship leadership. And it really took me a while to recover from that experience. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I realized that I got caught in the trap of this essentialized identity. They want right. me to be me in my truly essential, purest Asian American <laughs> form. Exactly. And this is the sort of trauma that Asian Americans generally just go through. And so, you know, I felt exploited, tokenized, orientalized. Right. Yeah. And um, other, otherness. Yeah, there's otherness. And all this is just circling around this sort of pressure to fill in the racialized box of Asian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The white box has been checked. Everybody knows what you know, <laughs> white worship is. Black worship, that has its own genre and category. Latino worship, right. you know, has its own stereotypical, you know, the, these um, stereotypical sort of sounds. Like those have already been racialized and defined. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But by me giving into this as an Asian, I'm actually reinforcing the Western hegemony. Right. And I'm, I'm centering whiteness. By giving yeah. into that trap of the essentialized right. identity, right? It also, like, like yeah. it also, the way that you're telling the story, it, it's so obvious to me that to whoever that person was who was putting all this pressure on you, to them, they were like take making Asianness like from Asia mm-hmm. into what it means to be a true Asian American, right. as opposed mm-hmm. to like also understanding that like we have a totally different. Like not totally different, but we have like a different kind of experience as Asian mm-hmm. Americans, right? And like what the difference between like literally like like kind of f like FOB Asia versus like right. Trump and America mm-hmm. too, right? And that like the most pure version of like being Asian or the most authentic is one that like has to be in Korean or in Mandarin or like whatever language that is probably not your most comfortable language. Right. Right. And we see that a lot in like like Latino worship because automatically when people think of, oh, we want Latino worship in our churches, they immediately get a Spanish they, want, they think it's right, song yeah, yeah. or a Spanish translation of a song right, and they right. want somebody who's Latinx to actually lead the song and then they want to put like some sort of beat to it or something. Yep. And so it's really hard and they want to do that so badly mm-hmm. with Asian American worship. And you just can't, it's impossible to flatten all of Asia into one monolith. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's really hard with other races too, but as you know, it's really hard because we can't assume the same narrative. I can't assume narrative of a Filipino American right. or somebody from Korea or even a Chinese American. I, right. I can't we, do we that. And I'm not going to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> even I know. It's <laughs> like, not even like we all speak Spanish, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and even in the Latinx communities, they have thousands of different dialects. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. I made yeah. the mistake of saying that at least you have a minimal like common language and I got reamed for that one of my friends she came up she was like Irene I love you and I need to call you out on that 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 was really really ignorant and I was like that's a good friend right I'm never ever saying that again and I publicly stood in front of the group when I had said that and I said I need to give a public apology 
for my ignorance and this is a step forward that I need to be in the learning process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then Julie, I want to throw it to you as well, because yeah. you just came from Urbana and you also were asked to sing and lead a song mm-hmm. in the Korean language that apparently represents all Asian Americans across <laughs> the globe. Julie, are you Korean? <laughs> I am. I'm Korean American, okay. but my husband. Taiwanese American. Okay, so my last name last is, name, last yeah, name. It, it trips everyone out. Um, <laughs> I'll speak to Urbana in a minute, but, um, um, I did want to, I did want to, um, add to that conversation and the story um, that you told Angie. I also think that in a lot of these spaces, including Urbana and including other large gatherings where there is a multi ethnic, multicultural space, I feel like um, often when folks ask what is Asian American worship and what what will you contribute to this multicultural experience and it's multicultural worship, I automatically have a sense of uh, com- some kind of like comparative competitiveness mm. of they want Asian Americans to have a singular sound. Yep. So our racialized group should have a stereotype, some kind of stereotyped singular sound yep. um, feel, you know, it like intonation, whatever it is, <laughs> just like just like African Americans do, as they Which, say, as they say, as they say, as white people categorize, right? And right. and automatically they start um, going into the conversation of. Well, you know, like there is a black sound and then there's a Latinx sound. What is the Asian American oh, sound? Sorry. And then already in that, that, that conversation is, is already, it's done. <laughs> it's dead on arrival because I cannot alone represent all the diversity that's in exactly. Asian American um, and all the narratives that are that are right. in the mix. <laughs> there is no singular sound. It's setting you up to fail. Totally. And I was reading an article that I passed around to almost everybody that I know who feels this pressure. So Julie has this and all my friends have it. So um, this, there, there's a term for this and it's called epistemic violence. And it's just this death by a thousand paper cuts of this question being asked of us and this expectation that's coming from us that we're going to present this pure form of being Asian American that will be a model and a standard that all other people will define and put into that box. And I mean, we have to understand this, we're talking about Christian worship that is very racialized and and this is ungodly. I I believe there's an opportunity of redemption of this. Mm. I think that like part of the violence, this epistemic violence is I mean, part of it is the white gaze and not all and the people who are like perpetuating this violence. They're not always white. Right. And like, I, I just want to like make that, I want to throw that out there, but I do think Absolutely. that part of it is this question of a subject and an object. Right. And so for us, we're always seen as uh, like, as people of color, we're made into subjectivities, right. Whereas whiteness is always seen as this objectivity that then gets to view us and define us, right? Like the whole concept of race was literally all of these European, like white scientists from during this like kind of post-enlightenment period being like, well, we think that there are these races and you all, the whole world can fit into these like four or five categories. And that is how we were going to understand it. They made them, you know, they made us 
objects of their study. Totally. And one of the, the things that I see kind of in all of my research, my work, is the the violence is this gaze that then gets yes. to make us and they get to define us as That's, opposed to yes. it's this it's um I just came up with this in class yesterday, but um the the threat of 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 violence I continue to see, particularly amongst like white men, but but as a defining feature of whiteness is um what i call supreme agency right it's that it's the idea beyond individual agency where it's mm-hmm. your agency supreme you actually get to dictate reality and to mm-hmm. define the world around you based on your own will right and it to the point that it ignores other people's agency and i think for me my own process of of creating what is quote asian american worship is saying asian american worship is what i an Asian American woman want to do. That's what I get to define as Asian American worship. That's recognizing my own agency, right? As opposed to like needing to, to like kind of check boxes stylistically or link like with language. Like I just put out my first album last year, which I, you know, in my kind of like release, I talked about as a specifically Asian American worship record, right? But Mm -hmm. not because like, my my music quote sounds Asian <laughs> or because my music, you know, is in a language or like anything like that, that my, like it's in Mandarin, it's on Taiwanese. Like it's because it's the songs I chose and the arrangements that I did, they came out of a place of my experiences, right. And my, my journey with God and in in many ways, like I don't want to hyper individualize like mm. this either, because it's like I recognize I do have relationships and in common experiences with other Asian Americans, right? But that I'm, it's like, do you want to put the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart? Are you trying to say that like being quote Asian American has then defined your experiences, or it's like the experiences that we have are what? like bring us together as Asian Americans. And I think it's the second. I think that we do have lots of experiences that are similar, but like, it's also not all the same. And that's the whole point of experiences, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I, I have a follow-up question to that, not because I disagree, but what does that process though look like? Because I feel like there's this continued pendulum swinging or cycle that happens in which there's an ebb and flow of even trying to figure out what that means because of both the pressure in which I don't want to be defined and boxed in and tokenized. And so there's like a breaking free of that, but at the same time, an embracing of who I am. And I remember we've, you, we've all talked about this when artists who are Asian Americans come forth and they have this pressure as we're all sharing about. And they're like, I just want to do the art, like you're saying. And yet there's then the pendulum backswinging of which, what does that even mean as an Asian American? So how do you find that balance of what that process looks like? How do Asian American leaders help support or provide that support for our worship leaders. Can you, can any of you share that process of what it looks like for you all? So I spend some time, I've spent some time with a colleague of mine, just sort of unpacking the reasons why we have this sort of 
multicultural, multi-ethnic worship and what it's founded upon. And a lot of people relate it back to revelations, which I complete, I mean, I have done that too. So I'm not, I am totally complicit in that, but I mean, I wonder, I think revelations, I, okay, I'm going to come back to revelations, but I would like to look at sort of the early church and what the early church did. You know, they were encouraged to bring songs and hymns to each other in love and in community. And I feel like that we, by taking the pressure off of worship leaders to bring this sort of, this is what, you know, the new Jerusalem is going to sound like, you know, drop it Mm -hmm. on you with an album. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What if we did, what if we did it like the early church way, like the Ephesians did and, you know, in Philippi where they just were simply to be loving to each other, bring songs and hymns and accept each other, be humbled by each other. Think of um, each other as, as higher than themselves. And that, that takes the pressure off of worship leaders, okay, to bring these essentialized sound. Mm. And when I kind of realized that that's what it was about, I just felt this weight lifted off my shoulders. Like, I don't have to, in the name of Jesus, I do not have to define Asian American <laughs> worship and thank the Lord for that, right? Like, yeah. that's yeah. who am I to do that? Yeah. But all I have to do is just simply bring my gift of songs and hymns to each other. And yeah. I think that takes the pressure off immediately. Now, when you talk about revelations, I thought about this too. So revelations, what people use is revelation 7, 8, 9, 21, and 22 in worship. And we have to look at, instead of those specific chapters, we have to look at the book as a whole, okay? Mm -hmm. Revelations Mm -hmm. was written and meant to be a political resistance text. Right. It was written as a political resistance text as an answer to the Roman empire and, and right. worshiping fake gods. And so when you're thinking about all of us banding together as resistance, then we need to look at like our, our worship together as a liberating practice of resistance. Mm. And I think that's where the, the decolonization sort of comes up. And I have, I have, okay. So I do want to unpack the word decolonizing, but before right. that, I want to give, I want to let other people answer. I'm saying there's so much to talk about. Oh, are, you want to give us a chance to talk before oh. you do that? Or you want to do yeah, that? I mean, that Angie? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want Julie to talk more. Oh. I haven't heard very much from Julie. I know Julie, you talk. <laughs> there's just so much good stuff here. Um, my response to that, um, I, I love what you said, Angie, and you and I have also talked about this as well. I'm just, I was just thinking back at my process in how I write music. And often I did start this whole journey as a person that really wanted to so badly find a sound that was, or sound or something, something that could compete in in this world of like trying to do multicultural. So I'm one of those people who, when I began this journey a decade ago, was really burdened by the task Mm -hmm. and then found myself failing over and over again, because there just wasn't something (laughs) (laughs) just like this. It was just so impossible. Mm -hmm. It was just so impossible because no matter how much I tried, it would maybe, it would maybe impact these two communities over here, but Mm -hmm. like have nothing to do with the rest or, you know, and it was just an impossible task. 
And then I really felt that the next time I started to write songs again, which was several years later, I really just kind of like you, Suan, just wrote music that made sense to me. And that was the whole thing. Mm. It told my story. It told my, of course, it told the story of my family too. Um, I'm a second generation Korean American. So a lot of my upbringing of the dehumanized experiences that I had as a second gen and as I watched the dehumanizing of my parents as immigrants, that's all embedded in the music that I made because those are the places and those are the ways that I felt God was present in my life. And so, I was just thinking back at this question and and thinking to myself, like, that's where all of these songs that I wrote emerged. And then if by the grace of God, it mattered to someone else too, then thank God. But I, I think, I think I felt a great deal of release when I decided also for myself that I didn't, I didn't need to have the, I didn't, that didn't need to be my job. My job didn't need to be writing something for all of Asian Americans and just not even, and sometimes not even for Korean Americans, but simply telling the story of my experience. And then I, I'm for myself to be the narrator in the storytelling rather than having somebody else assume my narrative or even feeling in a, like an imposter writing songs that even I didn't really understand <laughs> why I was writing them. Um, so good. That's been my process. I love it. Okay. That's I wanna, beautiful, Julie. I know. I love it's it. so good. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you so want I me do... to respond to that question, Irene? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, songwriter, please. Um, so the question is, how have we kind of gone through our personal journey? Like, on... what does the process look like then from what you shared? And my follow-up question, because you were talking about songwriting and then being true and honest to who you are, and that's the Asian Americanness that you bring to the table. Um, but then what does that process look like in the pendulum swinging between being, you know, diving into our Asian Americanness or just being an artist? And it's gonna, it kind of follows up with my next question. So why don't I okay. ask my next question? And then, because I think what we you want to say them. is... Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. So my next question goes into what Angie wanted to talk about, which is decolonizing worship. Is that even possible? And so for those of us who aren't talented, who can't write our own music, and until we as Asian Americans take over the music industry and can <laughs> do, <laughs> as Suanne share, create music that's going to be amazing, beautiful, and from an Asian American perspective, simply because it is our perspective. What do we do in the meantime? Because I think there's a lot of shame sometimes and mocking of like, I listen to Hillsong and like, of course you listen to Hillsong, you're Asian, you know, or you're Asian American, but like, Everyone what is listens it? to Hillsong. Right. But there's a lot of framework in which if you walk into an Asian American church, it's like you're walking into a white church, right? I mean, there's a lot of dialogue or narrative of that. And so what does it mean that in the meantime, as we are awaiting all of you brilliant people to publish and, you know, release your songs that we that that we want to worship God, we want to express these things and yet not be 
imprisoned in whiteness? Can we even be decolonized when we are in the United States and the predominant majority is white music that is being presented Mm -hmm. or gospel, black gospel music or whatever music? It's not this nebulous, gigantic thing that we haven't quite figured out Asian American Mm -hmm. music is. Um. Okay. Yeah, you're right. That did have to do with my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I actually want to clarify something. So my album, I didn't like write any of the songs on it. Um, It's actually a reclaimed hymns at record. Mm, So I know. It's amazing. So I go listen to it. Yeah. It's called um, a liturgy for the perseverance of the saints. It's beautiful. Um, It's so good. Thank Mm. you. Appreciate that. Um, I, I wanted, so this is like, my guess, my combined answer to the first and the second question, mm-hmm. which I think like your first role as a worship leader, but also as a Christian is just to worship and serve God. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that this idea that you can have a perfect kind of worship mm-hmm. is inherently flawed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the idea isn't that we can be perfect worshipers. It's that we worship a perfect God. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that for me, the posture I have is I always know that I never have enough. Mm. And the point isn't that I have enough, right? The yeah. point that God is always enough. And um, so I've, my posture towards worship is always, especially in my life in the last couple of years, I, I haven't been able to like find a church that I could, you know, be at that would receive me, um, that would support me. And I, I've kind of feel like I'm wandering in the wilderness. Right. And, you know, in Exodus, you know, they are worshiping God in a tent mm-hmm. and, you know, there's stories about David being like, God, like, how can I build a palace for myself when your house of worship still is in a tent or like, no, is that David? Yeah, because Solomon. Yes. Solomon was the one who built. <laughs> yes. I just want to double check. It's yeah. and your theology is good. You're, you're good. <laughs> my 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 proof texts are proof texts are working. Okay, and and how can I? And it's like there's always this sense of inadequacy that we have with our worship on some level, and I think that that is okay. I think mm-hmm. that our humanness, our finiteness, our limited ability to do things is actually not a hindrance. Right. It's actually like what I think about the story of a little boy who brings fishes and loaves. Right. And Jesus multiplies. I think I think of that really cheesy little drummer boy song. Right. Where he's like, you know, all of these great wise men, they bring all these gifts. And like, what do I have? All I have is this drum and I'm going to bring this. And it's a really annoying Christmas song. But I really like the idea behind it, (laughs) which is I just I bring what I have. I bring what I can. And that's good enough. Right. Like not to say that we should be lazy or that we shouldn't try and do our best or bring all of our gifts but that what little gifts we have are enough. And I think that a struggle a lot of Asian Americans feel is language. It's like, we're always in this tension between like, oh, like I grew up in America and English is my best language. Yeah, I'm expected to have like a native speaker level fluency Mm -hmm. um, in whatever language, like my parents or grandparents or like my community, my ancestral community is from. I mean, I feel that tension. I'm living in Taiwan right now. I look, you know, like all these other Taiwanese Chinese people, um, you know, I open my mouth and I just know I'm going to disappoint somebody. <laughs> like every time I open my mouth, I'm just like, sure, I'm going to disappoint somebody. <laughs> and 
in order for me to come to peace with that, I had to accept that I am not perfect, but God is. And I think that as artists, you know, we we're, we do want to strive. We do want to bring our best, but we're all talking about this burden of representation, right? And um, for me, the personal journey is like, okay, I'm not going to put out an album that's all going to be in Mandarin. Yes. Okay. Like, and that's okay. That's, and that's like not even the bar. Like that's, that's the thing is like, for me, what the power of Asian American worship is being, like I said, agency and this reclamation the saying like, no, like the, what makes Asian American worship, Asian American worship is that Asian Americans get to set, set the bar for themselves about what it means. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, I didn't grow up and I didn't really come of age in an immigrant church context and my mm-hmm. parents aren't Christians. Um, mm-hmm. and I was always in these white churches, but I did enjoy worship and I do. And I love worshiping in English. That is the, my preferred language of worship. Right. <laughs> um, it's not it's not you can have more than one heart language because there are ways that speak that mandarin is also my heart language i just struggle right it's like i'm like a toddler like i know what i want but i sometimes don't know what how to say it right right and um, i only know like certain words that can only express itself and i i'm married to a white man and so sometimes i'm like trying to say a Korean yeah, word. You just can't, you can't right. translate it. And he's it. like, what does that mean? Word. I'm like, I don't know. I just feel it in my gut. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I get um, it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like the songs that I picked, they're all English and they're all old hymns. Like they think the, the youngest, right. the, like earliest, like the youngest song is like a hundred years old. Right. Right. And, but the point was, is that I, when I, when I grew, like I came up in the PCA, we, we would sing a lot of hymns, a lot of old hymn texts. And I, I identified with these songs and there's <laughs> something about them that spoke to me. And, and like, this is, this is what I have. Like my, my whole record is actually about this idea of like, just bringing what little gifts I have. It's, it's very stripped down. It's very minimal. Um, a lot of the themes are about being in exile and, mm-hmm. and so that's obviously why, like, I keep kind of referencing, um, like scarcity yeah. in some ways, because they don't, I, I think that sometimes as Asian Americans, we look at like the Latinx church, we look at the black church and like, they have so much music, they have so much rich tradition. They have so much history. Like, what do we have? Like, we feel so young. We feel so resource lacking. Right. And I'm like, it's okay. Like that, that the fact that we don't even have that many resources, it's actually an opportunity Right, it's an opportunity to make new creations. It's an opportunity to to, to celebrate um, mm-hmm. a God who provides, a mm-hmm. God that is perfect, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like our worship isn't enough, right. and it's never going to be enough. And that's the point. And that's actually okay. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. And I think we yeah. should we should end on that note in a note of hopefulness. Thank you for taking us to church, Suan, as always. <laughs> Um, I'm so glad we solved the monumental problem and we just fixed this one. American worship. 30 I'm minutes. So excited. <laughs> 35 minutes, zip, bam, boom. That's how women do it. We get it done. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time and your insights. This is seriously so phenomenal. And even for, you know, a lot of what we talk about at the Asian American Center is 
unpacking and disentangling ourselves from the shame that we constantly have grown up with. And I think that's why this is such a great framing for even the end in which there's no shame and guilt in the process of trying to figure out what it means that we are worshiping and that we are worshipers and worship leaders who are Asian American and what does that look like? And we all are on our journey to draw near to God that, you know, that Jesus is with us in this process. So thank you so much for all of your brilliance. This conversation is going to continue on for a long time because as Sue said, we're young and Mm -hmm. this is a newer narrative for us. And we all have different contexts and journeys and pain and trauma that we bring to the bring to the worship area and to the sanctuary. So thank you all, you seriously phenomenal, brilliant ladies. I, again, encourage our audience listening to make sure you follow them on all the social media avenues because I learn from these gals on a daily, daily basis. And please be sure to tune in next week on Centering with the Asian American Center, the Asian American Podcast from Fuller Theological Seminary. Thanks so much. This is Irene, and we'll see you next week. We're all about community at Centering. We invite you to join the conversation by sending your comments and questions at centeringpodcast at gmail.com. Also, be sure to visit our website at centered.today for a list of other shows and resources. This episode is produced by Jason Chu, edited by Carl Catedral with music by Mark Redito. I'm your host, Irene Cho. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are.